0: You know, at Northridge Church, we say this a lot. You heard it from Kristen. You probably heard it from uh, Nate and Jeremy that we are a family. Each and every week at Northridge Church, we say welcome home because we take the family seriously, that we together are a family. And so if you're a parent here, whether your child was dedicated or not, we want you to know as a church that we're with you in the journey. We are here for you when things get tough. And we are here to celebrate when things are good. And so to everybody, welcome home and welcome to Northridge Church. We are thrilled and honored that you're here this morning. And, you know, I'd love to start by just asking you a question. You know, if God, and let's just kind of define who God is, right? We're not talking about some mythological being that was invented. We're not talking about some statue that we worship or we put in our desk cubicle. When we say God, we're talking about the creator of the universe. We're talking about the God who separated the heavens from the earth, the God who separated the the sea from the land, the God who placed the sun and the moon and the stars in the earth, the God who orchestrates every human event in history. We're talking about that God. And if that God were to reveal himself to us, declare who he is, through words on a page, through a book, wouldn't you want to read it? Wouldn't you want to know what God has to say about himself, about us? You see, what fascinates me today is the books that we do read. Right? If you were to Google some of the most popular books in society, you might come across a list like this. Many of these I would believe we've probably read. Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lord of the Rings. There's business books and leadership books. There's every self-help book you can imagine. And when you think about these books that we do read, what we often, how we often describe them is these are books that we can't put down. Books that we are engrossed into the storyline. Books that have changed our lives. But yet when it comes to the very words of God in his book, what it's become is an app on our phone that is rarely opened. Or a book that sits on the bookcase collecting dust. And I think it's because, if you're asked the question, why is that? I think we've forgotten that the Bible, God's word, his revelation to us, is the most powerful book you will ever read. Right? The Bible, God's words to you and I, there's no book that compares to it. There's no book that yields the power the Bible can have in our lives. And here's what I believe. If you would choose to give space for God's words in your life, it will change you. You see, if you weren't here with us last week, we started a brand new series called Getting to Know Your Bible. And in this series, I'm actually really excited about this journey we're going on as a church because in this series, we're talking about why we can trust the Bible We're talking about how the Bible was brought about, how it came to fruition. We're talking about how we can learn to approach our Bible with confidence. And so I thought we'd get started, have a little bit of fun. In honor of parent-child dedication, I decided to sit down with my three oldest kids and ask them a couple questions about the Bible just to hear what their responses might be. And I said, you know, let's start pretty easy and let's go a little bit hard. If you don't know my kids, Joel, Malachi, and Ruby Kate, eight, six, and five, okay? And so the first question I asked them, I said, hey kids, who wrote the Bible? And so quickly, Malachi and Joel, they raised their hands. I I know, Jesus. And anytime you're around a pastor, right, 95% of the time, if you say Jesus, you're good. Ruby Kate, my five-year-old, she wanted to be a little bit different. She said, God. And I was like, you know what? I feel pretty good about those answers. Good job, kids. Let's make it a little bit harder, okay? What is the Bible, kids? Well, Malachi, I know, Dad. It's a book. Is that it, Malachi? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Okay, we'll take that. Joelle, my oldest, she's eight. She has a tendency to to like to be right a lot and and prove her brothers and sisters wrong. And she's like, oh guys, it's God's word. Yeah, it is, it is, good job. And then my five-year-old, Ruby Kate, she's a little spicy, she says this verbatim. She says, it's God's Bible that's a book. And it has God's words. It also has all the things that make you love people. I was like, "Let's go, baby." Yeah. Woohoo! We're doing something right in the Carson house. then it got a little bit harder. I said, "Okay, guys, what's the Old Testament?" Malachi raises his hand. He says, "It's Job." <laughs> well, yes. And you're missing some other books, but that's okay. At this point, Ruby Kate was getting a little bit too silly, and so she raises her hand and she just says, "Ding dong." That's all I got from her. Ding dong. Sorry, there's nothing more. And then Joelle says this. She says, the Old Testament is the things that God did, but it's different from the New Testament. It's the things where God wasn't alive, but God was working in them. And I was like, well, Joelle, that's, your theology's a little bit off, but we can work with that. And then I just simply asked him, how many books are in the Bible? Malachi said twenty. Joelle said 65, and then Ruby Kate looked at at both of them and, like, guys, duh, there's one book in the Bible. (laughs) And you know, it, it was a fun experiment with my kids to see what their knowledge of the Bible was, but yet I think there's some truth in that. Because I think sometimes when we approach the Bible, a very complicated, confusing, long book, we at times can feel like children, ignorant to the pages and what they have for us. And what that leads us to is that ignorance, that, 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 that reading the Bible, we get confused and it becomes complicated. What it leads us to is just this conclusion where it's easier to avoid the Bible than actually engage with it. And so this morning, as we continue in this series, I want to do th- two things for you. I wanna bring some clarity to the Bible and talk about the makeup of the Bible, how it came about. And then I wanna give you confidence that tomorrow morning when you read your Bible, you know exactly how to do it and it becomes alive in your heart and in your mind over times. And so let's talk about this unique book. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and yet it's one book, right? The Bible is one book, but many scholars say it's a library of books. That if you go from Genesis all the way to Revelation, if you turn the pages of your Bible, you will interact with 66 different books and they're also broken up into two different parts. There's the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi and then the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation. The Bible is written by over 40 different authors over a span of 1500 years. But what makes, I think, the Bible really complicated is the amount of literature, the different kinds of literature that are found in the books of the Bible. There are eight genres of literature spanning from history to law, to wisdom, to poetry, to prophecy, to narrative, to letters, to apocalyptic literature. And often that makes it confusing to us, because depending on where you are in the Bible might change the way you use hermeneutics or interpretation of the Bible. But one question when it comes to the Bible that many people ask is, how did people follow Jesus who didn't have the Bible? Right, the, the Bible is so fundamental to our faith. How in the world in the Old Testament and the early days of, of our world did people follow God when they didn't have the Bible or they only had the first five books which is known in the Pentateuch or the Old Testament law? And that seems like it, it should be a complicated answer but it's really simple. They follow God the same way we do, through faith. Through walking with God in faith. Let me put it to you like this. You see. All of us were were born into society by our mothers. Some of us were born in the hospital, some of us were born at home, or our stories are various. But what's interesting about our birth is we came into the world before there was ever documentation of us. In fact, All of my kids that were were born, right, we had to wait two to four weeks before the paperwork, the birth certificate that declared that they were actually a part of society. And the Bible is similar to that, that God had been working all throughout human history even before he revealed himself through his precious word. And I love how the Bible describes the words of the Bible. Look what 2 Timothy chapter 3 says. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, you might have read this passage before. Daniel read it to you last week. But can we just pause and, and realize what that is saying? That the God of the universe spoke to us through words on a page. That if you want to know what God has to say about himself and for you, all you have to do is open his book. That every word on every page is from God himself. What a miracle and what a gift. Don't underplay that, undersell it, because we can have confidence that this is God. Now, you might push back. And be like, Drew, I don't know if you realize this, but you're contradicting yourself. Because earlier you told me that there were over 40 human authors, and now you're telling me there's only one. It's God himself. Now, how in the world are you going to, you know, make that work? Well, the good news is I didn't make that work. God did. And the Bible actually speaks to how the Bible was created through human hands, but really truly through God's words. Look what 2 Peter says. It says this, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love with I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were on him, uh, with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic messages as complete, something completely reliable. I love this next part. It says, and you, that's me and you, will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He says, above all, so this is really important, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy has never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so what Peter does here in the Bible Is he gives us a window in how the Bible came about That God could use forty over 40 humans But yet still speak clearly by himself And Peter, he, what he says is the Bible is written Through a divine and human partnership That God merged with humanity To bring about his revelation to us And so let's talk about this partnership and how it worked Let's, look, let's talk about the human side first Right, God used normal people, ordinary people, to pen his words. Right, I've told you there's very different authors, over 40 authors in the Bible. And Peter actually says many of the authors of the Bible were eyewitnesses to the things that they recorded. And so they were there when it took place. They saw it with their own eyes, and they wrote it down for us to see. He says the prophecies of the Bible, God often gave people visions of things they would, that would come true that they would write down themselves. And to give you an example of, of how this works, we go to the book of Luke. Luke was a doctor, uh, he was a disciple of Jesus, and look how he starts his book. He makes it very clear to all of us his intentions. He says this, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. And so Luke, before he says anything about what he saw, he just says, I want you to know, the things I'm writing, I've investigated and I've seen with my own eyes. And so God used over 40 human beings to pen his words. But how can we say they're all God-breathed? How can we know? Well, Peter tells us. He says, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, this is really important, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So yes, God used humanity, but the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, guided every word from human hand. God used people to breathe his words on the page. And if you think about it, what's so unique about the Bible is you can actually see the personalities of the authors on the pages. Many scholars have studied the Bible in its depths and they can easily and clearly show you the words of Paul versus the words of other writers because God still used humans' personalities, their styles of writing, their passions when he wrote the words. But the Holy Spirit guided every word on every page. And you think about what a miracle that is that God inspired humanity to reveal himself to humanity. And so let's go back to my original question. If we can be confident that God wrote a book to us and for us, wouldn't we want to read it? Wouldn't we want to know what God has to say? What would really stop us from reading it? And I think many of us, we have the desire. We we truly do want to read the Bible, but if we're honest, we're a little bit intimidated. We're intimidated that it will be confusing and we won't understand it. We're intimidated that, that, that man, I, I, I won't get the results that, that someone promised, right? The pastor told me the, the Bible is the most powerful book that I will ever read, but I've been reading it for weeks and weeks, and I don't see any change. We're intimidated because, honestly, some of you, you just don't really care what God has to say about your life, and you're not ready to submit to what God has to say for your life. And so we just do what most people do. Let's just set it aside and read all the other books that people have written and just hope through osmosis that the Bible will somehow reach our hearts. But today, I want to give you confidence tomorrow that you can approach your Bible and know that God is speaking to you and you can hear his voice. And so I want to talk about four things, four simple things that you and I can do that will help us approach and read our Bible with confidence. The first thing that we need is obvious. It's a rhythm of reading. It's just a daily commitment in the morning or in the evenings or at your lunch break, I'm going to read God's word. I'm amazed at how many people I sit across the table with and they want to know God. They want God to change their lives and yet... They don't go to the very book that God wrote, right? They they don't read their Bible. And listen, I know for some of you, you just don't like to read. Can I tell you, I am that person. I do not like to read at all, partially because I have dyslexia, and a lot of times the things that I read aren't actually there. But I don't like to read, and so you know what I do in the mornings? I don't read my Bible, I push play on my Bible. And I follow along. With technology, we have all the ability and the resources to to read our Bible with confidence. But some of us were afraid because I've tried, Drew, I've tried reading my Bible and it just doesn't make sense. But can I ask you, man, I, I would I would suggest that many of us are movie watchers. We've probably all seen a movie. And there's movies out there that are like mysteries or like thrillers, things that you got to kind of put the pieces together. You have to understand the plot. And like those movies, right, we've watched them for the first time and we're like, wow, that that was a pretty good movie. I really like that. I'm just not sure how everything worked out. And so what do we do over the course of maybe a month or two months or a year? Eventually, we come back to that movie. We put it in our DVR or Blu-ray or I don't even know what is out there anymore. And we, we, we push play. And guess what? When we watch this movie the second time, we're like, wow, I never saw that. Wow, that, that connects to that. And it, it, it grows in our heart at a deeper level. Can I tell you the Bible is the same way? The more you read it, the more it becomes alive in your life. The more you see, I've been reading the Bible since I've been a little boy. I've read the stories thousands of times and I'm always amazed at how I can read a story I know inside now and God shows me something different that I never saw before. Because the Bible is powerful. Let me just give you a tip when you read. I think this is a huge tip that many people don't do is there's actually scientific proof that when you read something and you write it out, it connects completely differently and deeper in your brain. And so when you go to read your Bible tomorrow, read a chapter and write it out and see what God does. But most of us, we try our Bible. We've read it for a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years, and, and we didn't like the results, we didn't feel God's power, and so you know what we do? We quit, we give up, we throw in the towel. And can I just simply ask you, how many things in your life that have great value did you get on the first try? How many things in your life that you hold dearly to did you have to fight for, work hard for, grind a little bit for? The Bible's the same way. That if we would give it a rhythm of reading in our life, I believe with my whole heart I am living proof of it. The Bible, if you give space over time, it'll change who you are. It'll soften your heart, it will renew your mind, it will change your actions. And so the first step is just to have the habit, the rhythm of reading it. The second, while you do that habit, make observations. You know, we try to complicate the Bible and make it hard, but sometimes when you read your Bible, it's as simple as just asking good questions. View it like a mystery. God, what are you trying to tell me in this passage? What stood out to you when you read it? God, how can I know you better by reading this chunk of passage? Who wrote it and why did they write it? And who did they write it to? These are all simple questions that you can ask yourself when you read the Bible. And if it feels daunting or confusing to you, one of the best resources is a study Bible. You can buy one, it's like the Cliff Notes or the Spark Notes of the Bible. And I know how that's how most of us got through college was Cliff Notes or Spark Notes. Well, the good news is we've got that for the Bible. And if you have questions, you can just refer to that study Bible. Read with your community group. Find a partner who will say, hey, I got questions. Will you help me answer those things? And so we read it, and while we read it, we make observations the most important piece. We apply it to your life. Guys, if we wake up every morning and we read our Bible to check the religious box, to pat ourselves on the back and say, wow, God is happy with me, you miss the point. You miss the miracle. God doesn't want you to read your Bible so he can look down on you with his his affirmation and say, good job, little kid. No, God wants you to read your Bible so it can change who you are. You see, here's what we have to understand about the Bible. The Bible is designed to, yes, inform us about God, who he is. But more importantly, the Bible is designed to transform your life. The Bible has the power to take dead things and make them alive. The Bible has the the ability to make blind people see. The Bible has the ability to overcome addictions in your life. If you would just give it space, apply it to your lives. This is why James said to early church leaders and followers, he says, do not merely read, listen to the word. Because if you just check that box, guess what you do? You lie to yourself, you deceive yourself, you fool yourself to thinking you're a good, awesome Christian. Well, that's just a piece of it. He says, do what it says. And so when you read and you make observations, ask yourself this question. God, what is one thing, one action step I can take based off of this passage? So I look more like you. So I become more like you. And then do it. So we read, we observe, we apply, and then last, and I think this is often a misstep, we remember. And you might ask the question, what do we remember? Well, I think we remember that there were people before us that gave up their lives so that you could have the Bible. There were people who dedicated their lives to recording the scriptures generation after generation after generation so you could have the ability and the capacity to have God's word in your hand and on your phone. To remember that if you truly wanna change, that change doesn't come in your power, it comes through the power of God. You know, when we talk about the Bible, As a pastor, it almost feels cliche to tell you how powerful and amazing the Bible is. It feels like I I don't have the eloquence to, to describe and to urge and to challenge you to just read the book. That God wrote a book to us and for us. And so rather than try to do it myself, I thought we would do it in a little bit of a creative way. Check this out.
1: God wrote a book. That reality blows me away every time I stop to think about it. Pages and pages of God, his thoughts, his words, his heart, right there, just a few inches away. I can carry it with me everywhere I go, read it whenever I want. When we open the Bible, what do we see? We see God himself in this book. We meet him here or we don't meet him, not with any hope of friendship. Reading the Bible is one of the most important things we can ever do. It's more valuable than anything we own, sweeter than anything we have ever eaten. It is literally more important than breathing. That's not always what we see and feel when we open our Bible. Our weak, tired, distracted eyes look and all we see is a lifeless, boring portrait on the wall. But it's not a portrait. It's a window. It doesn't hang lifeless in an old frame on the wall. It breaks through the wall into another world the real world, the lasting world, the better world. And through this window shines a divine light that changes everything around us. We all know that the road to knowing God is not easy. Discipline and resolve are important, but they can carry you only so far. A few days, a week, maybe a month, For the long run, we need something stronger, more compelling than discipline and resolve. There are too many traps along the path, too many hurdles. At the root, the reason we don't read the Bible is that we don't want to read the Bible. We don't see joy, peace, In life, when we see that leather binding on our shelf, we see a wall, not a window. The boring portrait, not the never-ending beauty beyond. So we put it off, leave it shut, and move on. We stay in bed, and we miss the miracle. God who said, let light shine out of darkness, loves to speak light into hearts and minds. God wrote a book, and with his book, these words in front of us, he wakens our dead, bored souls. He frees us from bondage to sin, from desires that rob us of life. He comforts the depressed, Inspires the discouraged. Guides the confused. He empowers us to make our lives count for his cause in the world. He satisfies us completely and forever with words. His words. So, will I read my Bible tomorrow? Where else would I go? How else will I know him? How else will I prepare myself to enjoy him forever? Yes, I'll spend the rest of my life looking out of this window, watching, waiting for another sight of him, another miracle, another glimpse of my God.